Welcome to The Storytellers, the radio show and podcast that features those who choose to leave their mark on the world through the art of story. I'm your host, Grace Salmon. I look forward to our time together today. Now, let's meet our storyteller. Welcome to episode 80 of The Storytellers with Landis Wade and his newest book, Deadly Declarations. Landis is a recovering trial attorney, turned author, turned podcaster of the widely successful and really well-respected Charlotte Readers podcast, where he has done not 80 interviews, but 300. We're going to be talking about the podcast, his newest books that are coming out shortly, but mostly we're going to focus right now on his book, Deadly Declarations has been awarded six different awards. Now, Landis, welcome to the Storytellers. Hey, Grace. It's so great to be here. Uh, I'm happy to be on your podcast. Thank you. Well, I have been such an admirer of yours. In addition to the things that I've mentioned, you are such a good citizen of the reader-writer community. You're involved in boards, and I think that is so important. So how did all of that happen, and how did you become a recovering trial attorney let's start there you got to be a trial lawyer before you can can recover from it i guess so i did i did that for 35 years and i was looking uh for my next thing my act three and i want to do something creative in my 60s i just didn't want to try to you know save somebody a little bit of money or win a little you know whatever when it goes into litigation so i thought what am I going to do? you know and i thought well i enjoy writing because i'd written a couple of novellas in my mid 50s and i thought but I need to learn more about it. And how do you learn more about writing? Well, you ask questions, right? And I thought, well, who do you ask questions of? Well, you ask questions of writers. <laughs> so I thought, I know what I'll do. I'll do something I know nothing about. I'll go start a podcast. And so I decided I would go to a studio. I grabbed a couple of people from my critique group. I said, you're going to be my first guests and we're going to go see how this works. And I went and played around the studio and uh, that was in like the fall of 2018. And now I've got a couple of co-hosts that work with me and it's four and a half years later and we've done more than 500 uh, interviews and uh, it's, uh, it's been a lot of fun and a very excellent learning experience. Well, you really have done uh, some amazing interviews. Uh, I was lucky enough to be on your show and you, and like myself, I love how much research you do because it makes for such a better interview and it's such a a gift to be on a long format show like yourself. So I wanted to say that, you know, I, you, I guess, retired from being an attorney. It's not like, right. Yeah. Yeah. You, you basically, the law is about the only profession where you have to apply to get in and apply to get out, you know? So it's like, it's like, okay, my time's up. I'm, re I'm retiring. And uh, all right, well, tell us why you're leaving and you tell them. And anyway, I decided uh, that uh, I wasn't going to practice law anymore full time, but I would kind of, use my interviewing skills because I was a courtroom lawyer and took a lot of depositions, you know, and, and start using those to ask questions. Although, honestly, I hope I didn't put you on the hot speed when I had you too much on the podcast because, you know, what they say is when you're in court, you want to hear what the witness has to say, not what the lawyer has to say. Mm -hmm. So that's what I do on the podcast. I ask the questions and hopefully the, wit the, the witness guest author is talking more than I'm talking. <laughs> <laughs> well, I, I think you did a great job of that. And I have to say, one of the things I've been 
um, fascinated by our preconceived notions that I have and that others have. So when I had the opportunity to pick up your novel, I just kind of assumed right away that um, Deadly Declarations was going to be courtroom drama-y kind of thing from Jump Street. And I would tell you, you had me at hello. Oh, well, thank you. Oh, no, thank you. So first of all, you started with a Benjamin Franklin quote. We're going to talk more about quotes later. But it's a history. It's a mystery. You taught me something right away about the mech deck. Tell us yeah. about your book. Yeah, thank you. So um, it's a confluence of things that came together, a retirement community, because I had this experience of moving my parents into a retirement community. Uh, and they didn't want to go. So I saw the emotional toll of all that. Now, my mother loves it now, but, you know, you have to get there first. And so, but you know, the toll of going through that and uh, and also this idea of act threes and what does somebody do when their career comes to an end? So I was going through that. And then I interviewed um, Scott Seifert, who wrote the nonfiction book on the Mecklenburg Declaration of Independence. And few people may know about this, but, uh, you know, there was a, Declaration of Independence signed one year before they got around to it in Philadelphia, you know, the Declaration of Independence. And it's right here in Charlotte, North Carolina, 1775, May 20th. Uh, a lot of controversy about it because the, the documents didn't survive, just a lot of oral testimony. Um, but Scott Seifert, I interviewed him, and we went deep into it, and I said, you need to write a novel about this. And he said, no, no, you write it. And I was like, well, Okay. I mean, look, if you've ever been presented something where somebody's already done most of the research, I mean, that's a great way into something, right? So I was already working on this idea for a mystery set in a retirement community. And when I got this piece of it, I thought, okay, here's my through line. This is what really got me excited about writing it. So in the opening scenes of the book, there's an older man known as the professor and, and he's found dead. Got to have a dead body in the first chapter, right? And, and missing, missing is his manuscript that he's working on about the Mecklenburg Declaration of Independence and all the other documents, the supporting documents. And so immediately you've got this sort of question, why? What, why, why does it matter and what's going on? And so these three retirees kind of come together in an unlikely way, and they set out to try to investigate the death of the professor. And in the course of doing so, they end up on this path to try to solve a mystery that scholars uh, in real time haven't been able to solve in over 250 years. And I thought, well, I'm going to, I'm going to solve it. <laughs> we're gonna, we're gonna, you know, people say that, you know, when people get old and they go in the retirement community, well, they don't, they're all washed up. Not really. There's a lot of experience uh, in retirement communities. A lot of people that have gone through a lot of things and a lot of life lessons. And I figure who better to solve this mystery than three retirees. Well, and that's one of the reasons you had me, uh, at hello. Not only is it so well written and so well conceived, and like I said, I never knew that there was a mech deck, but I am such a firm believer. You know, I'm going to be 70 this year, and I mm. never believed I would be doing the things I'm doing. Right. And I love that you're spreading that mission, if you will, that that just that language that we are not done. And that's no. very much at the heart of your book. It is. And, and, you know, people say um, when they ask authors about their books, well, are, are you are you this character? Are you that character? Well, no, but most authors say a little bit of themselves finds their way into some character. Right. I mean, because you're feeling it you're, as you're writing it, you're, you're sort of 
if you're writing in first person, you definitely are third person close. Like I did with this book, you're kind of getting in the heads of these characters and it, and your subconscious is, is sort of sending these wavelengths of information into these characters. So for me, I was moving from my, into my act three, right? I was trying to figure out what was next. Well, so was Craig Travail, the lawyer in my book who ends up in a retirement community, doesn't want to be there. Now I took some liberties, of course, and I tried to add some humor. And uh, I started by adding a fellow named Chuck Yeager Alexander, and he was going to be a bit part, but the guy, he would not get out of the way. He kept coming back. He wanted to be in every scene. Well, Yeager definitely is an important character. I, right. I, he's, he's captured my heart already. <laughs> um, so you create this place, um, as I do in my novel, uh, called the Indy for short. Is it a right. real place? So it, it's interesting. Um, there is a, uh, you know, a, a historical structure there that was built in 1775 that the brother of John McNitt Alexander, the secretary of the convention for the MacDeck, where he lived, his name was Hezekiah Alexander. And right next to that is a retirement community called Aldersgate. I actually went out and talked to them about this book and they said, Hey, is this us? Is it, are you writing about us? And I said, well, I'll tell you what, if you like the book, absolutely. I'm writing about you, but, <laughs> but, uh, actually it's sort of a, there is a retirement community there. Uh, but they have only one lake and mine has two and there's some other differences. And obviously it's just sort of a collection of uh, thoughts that I've picked up from people I've met in a lot of different retirement communities. You know, you're always going to have an activities director. You're going to have people of all walks of life. You're going to have people that try to control things. You're going to have the happy go luckies. You're going to have, uh, you might have some lawyers in there, you know? So uh, I figure, look, I'm going to write a series here and I figure if I run out of people with certain talents I need to solve a mystery, I'll just have them move into the retirement community. So this is going to be a series for sure. Yeah, I'm going to I'm going to do that uh, after I get this other project that we may mention off the ground. Uh, I'll start writing it again this summer. And I think I'm going to explore the time period this time of the 1830s in Charlotte, where which is known as the gold rush period on the East Coast. Uh, most people might not realize, but the first mint um, on the East Coast was in Charlotte, North Carolina, and uh, uh, came in, 18, in the 1830 period because they, they struck gold in the Piedmont of Charlotte uh, well before the gold rush in 1848 in California. But it was a happening thing here. And underneath the big bank buildings in Charlotte now, there are still mine shafts with maybe if you went deep enough, you'd find some gold. And maybe we're going to find a body or two down there. I'm not sure yet. Oh, I bet you do, because you have to have a dead body in chapter one. We've That's right. We've established that. Exactly. So you were saying that for deadly declarations, a lot of the research was already done. Um, did you have to do a lot more for yourself? or? I, I mean, I did. I went deeper. I studied uh, Scott's book. I got some other books from the library and read those. also went downtown and actually walked the land that I'd walked pretty much every day as a lawyer, but didn't really look around, right? I'm, I'm going from building to building, but now I'm looking at the sites more carefully to see where everything was located. And uh, there's actually a statue of Captain James Jack. Uh, he's the fellow who's a tavern owner who uh, actually took the documents and rode with them 500 miles from Charlotte to Philadelphia and delivered them to the delegates from North Carolina. Interesting thing is they never wrote about it, uh, although uh, Actually, they found a diary uh, in the early 1900s by a German merchant in Bethabra, which is around the halfway point, talking about some guy who came through on horse about how Mecklenburg had declared independence. So there is actually corroborating evidence for what happened, but they didn't want the word to get out because it was too early to declare independence at that point in time. Uh, and they thought that if this story got out, uh, it, they wouldn't be pre prepared. 
Now that's Thomas Jefferson's view. Uh, John Adams had a different view. He wanted to know sooner rather than later. And that's why the chapter opens in chapter one with this letter, which actually are real letters from Thomas Jefferson uh, back and forth to John Adams. And for those who don't know that history, they were actually bitter enemies, but also close friends. And they wrote to each other daily and they died the same day. Yes. Uh, 50 years to the day after the signing of the Declaration of Independence. So. Yeah, that's a lovely piece of trivia, isn't it? Yeah, um, it is. So I, I loved that you included that too. And, you know, I like historical fiction very much, but this idea of also encapsulating it in the mystery is fabulous. And as I said, you open with a fabulous quote from um, Ben Franklin, but you have a new, another fascination with quotes. So share your newest project. Yeah, yeah. Ben Franklin was talking about we better hang together or we'll all hang separately. Um, now, um, I've decided after four and a half years of podcasting um, that I learned so much from you, Grace, and others who are on the show um, about what they do as writers. And the interesting thing is, people who are writers know this and list readers when you talk to other writers. Everybody's got a different way of doing things, right? I mean, um, and I thought, I need to get this out into the world. And so I spent the last eight or nine months going back and listening to all the episodes and pulling out quotes and trying to put them into categories. And I had so much information uh, and so many good quotes that I put them into eight different books. And the first book has just come out online. It's free. It's called The uh, Writing Life. Um, this is part of the Write Quote series. And, you know, you'll see quotes uh, – by newer times bestsellers, you'll see them by award-winning authors like yourself. You'll see them by debut authors who only want to write one book. Um, but it's a collection that actually, when you sit down and read them, um, not only is it inspirational, but it's also some very practical advice as well. I mean, I love this. In The Writing Life, Craig Nova says, in the best of times, nothing can compare. And in the worst of times, it's totally miserable. <laughs> <laughs> I love that was my favorite quote. So I, yeah. I have to be honest, you sent me an arc yeah, yeah. copy of it. Um, I have it digitally. I can't wait to order it so I can have yeah. it in my hand, hold it up so people can see yeah. it. Yeah, here we go. It's a, the right quote. Can you see that? Yeah, here we go. Perfect. Right. So, and that was, you know, I, I started reading it and that was the quote that leapt out at me. And I was like, yeah. oh, I need to make a Canva post of that yeah. uh, because it is so true. There is nothing better than we are when we are writing and in the zone and there is nothing more miserable when <laughs> we are not. But the, the great thing about it is because we've got this wide spectrum of authors, um, you can you can read these quotes by these ones who sold millions of books and, and, and you get the confidence to say, okay, they're going through some of the same things that I'm going through. And I hadn't sold millions of books. Right. But I mean, it's, it's, they're, they're working hard, but we're working hard too. And, uh, and then you get some, just some, some great life pointers out of it. It's been a, a joy to go through this. Uh, not, I'd say not the proofing part of it. <laughs> No. That is never the fun part for me. We, we talked about this before we got on the air about how, you know, when the apocalypse comes, it will not be the cockroaches who survive. It'll be the typos that survive the apocalypse, you know. Absolutely. Yeah. I mentioned at the start of our broadcast what a good citizen you are of the author reader world. Did that come to you naturally? So my dad always instilled in me um, service to others. I was in civic organizations as a lawyer. I volunteered my time to people that couldn't afford uh, legal advice. And uh, it's, yeah, yeah, it's just been sort of an extension. And I've always found, and you, you, you do this too, Grace. I mean, you're, you're, you're being uh, humble here about it, but what you do is uh, the same kind of thing, but 
but I'm sure that you probably like me, when you do this, you get a lot out of it, right? I and mean, when you do for others, uh, what comes back in return is can be twofold and threefold because I did support authors and help them promote their books. But, you know, when it came time for my book to come out, uh, people were kind enough to talk about it, you know, and buy it and read it and that kind of thing. Um, so it, it did come, but probably through my father first. And then I kind of just picked it up and uh, went with it. And I'm glad I did because uh, you get more out of giving than you do out of receiving. Oh, I, I couldn't agree with you more. And the surprise for me is, you know, as you know, I've written multiple books, but the novel totally changed my life. Right. But it's that idea of community that was shocking to me, quite honestly, mm -hmm. how um, welcoming everybody is. You know, you and I have never met. I am sure we could spend a weekend together writing and, you know, doing great things because uh, we share this common bond of wanting to do storytelling. Yeah. yeah. So, so you have done over 500 episodes of uh, your wonderful podcast, Charlotte Readers Podcast. Is that going to continue? What's next for that? Yeah. So we've done about 325 on the regular podcast. I've done about 150 on the exclusive uh, Patreon channel where we dive deeper into the craft. And, and so I pulled all the quotes from both, actually. So it's really 500 plus interviews. Um, but what's next is I was trying to think about when I got to 300, can I sustain this? Can I keep going? Because as you know, Grace, doing a podcast, it takes some time, right? There's preparation involved and you want to write to and be involved in other things. And so I decided um, I'd reach out to a couple of uh, people that had been on the podcast and helped me. And uh, they wanted to get involved as co-hosts. And it's been great because now there are three of us. And so we split up the interviews, but we also get together, as you know, like we did with you, Grace, and we talk uh, with, the, I think you did a ride along with us and, uh, you know, not only so do we, right. Not only do we talk about your book, but you actually wrote along as kind of an extra host and we'll do that sometimes too. But having that ability to have that conversation in addition to doing the interviews gives us the chance to not only hear from the authors we interview, but also to share some of our different expertise because I'm a indie author, Sarah Archer, who's a co-host. She's a traditionally published novelist and screenwriter and Hannah LaRue, she's a publicist. So we bring different things to the table. You really do. And I, I haven't had the opportunity to meet Hannah, but uh, I have to tell you, the time with Sarah Archer was just amazing. Yeah. And uh, she's, you know, again, we were talking about generosity of spirit. I had some questions about screenplay. So after you and I chatted, she and I chatted. And yeah. you know, there's just this wonderful community that we all share. Um, so we've got the book on quotes that eight books coming out, I think, right? Right. Yeah, there are eight books coming out. The first one, the, the, the right quotes, The Writing Life, it's up online. You can order it free, download it on any of your favorite reading devices. And uh, the others will be coming out uh, starting in April 1st and then thereafter. And we cover everything from, uh, you know, like I said, um, the first one, after this one will be the learning to write. And then we cover writing processes because what every author has a different writing process. And uh, then we go into all other kind of things, including one that I like, which is called the emotional writing journey. Um, that's where all these authors share what it's honestly feels like to be a writer, you know, where the rubber hits the road and uh, the difficulties you go through, but also the joys of sharing that experience with other writers. Well, I want all of them in hard copy. They don't yeah. have to be hardback, but I want to be able to hold them in my right. hand yeah. so I can flip through them. Um, <laughs> so I look forward to each and every one. So they're electronic now, but you said in March they're going to be yeah. able Start, to be Starting in March, we'll, uh, the first book will be available um, through Bookshop and, uh, you know, the online vendors and wherever 
books are stocked, I guess. And uh, then after that, we'll be releasing them once a month. And on the podcast, in one episode each month, we will talk a little bit about each book. And uh, Sarah and Hannah and I will pick out two or three of our favorite quotes to talk about because these are kind of like prompts for conversation. You can read one of these quotes and you can then talk about it for about 20 minutes. <laughs> we won't do that. We'll try not to do that, but but it can happen. Well, I look forward to listening to your podcast as I regularly do and finishing your amazing award-winning six awards to date. I'm sure more will come. Deadly declarations. Um, I wish you fabulous writing uh, this summer so we can get more of that story. Just as we finish up, Landis, tell me something quirky about you that most people wouldn't know. Uh, well, probably most people wouldn't know that uh, when I was in college, I went to Mexico one summer with some football buddies, and one of them had a father who ran a ranch, and so I rode horses uh, and pretty much behaved like a cowboy most of the summer. So that was a little bit different, uh, something probably I don't talk about much, but I look back on it finally, except for my rear end. So. <laughs> Saddle sores hurt. Yeah. Landis Wade, your amazing book. Again, Deadly Declarations. Thanks for being with me on The Storytellers. Thank you, Grace, so much for having me. This has been a copyrighted episode of The Storytellers by Authors on the Air, Global Radio Network, and Grace Salmon. Thanks for being with us. That concludes this episode of The Storytellers. I'm so glad you could be part of the story today. I hope you share the stories, tell your own, and come back for another episode. Because when our stories are told, everything changes. I'm Grace Salmon.